0: Good morning, good morning. Anybody out there this morning? Anybody out there? Come on. You ever, you ever seen anybody with one of these? Glasses like this and a stick like this? Ever, ever seen anybody work on Let me ask you a question. If you were to be walking down the street and you were to see someone with glasses like these and a cane like this, and they're about to step in the street, would you rush to stop that person? Would you scream and yell before they stepped into oncoming traffic or before they walked off a cliff? Would you, would you, would it become the most important thing that you would jump in there? Is that, was that what, would y'all do that? See, have, see, have we, have we become blind? We believers who have been, who have been, who have met Jesus Christ, who have been transformed, who have been filled, have been redeemed, who have had their eyes opened, is it possible that we have become blind to the people that are all around us every single day. And if we become blind to the spiritual footing of people that are wandering, our family, our friends, <clears throat> our neighbors, our coworkers, our teammates and our classmates. Are we blind to where they are as many of them are wandering in sin, wandering perilously close to the edge? of the precipice. And we simply don't do anything about it. So I'm going to ask you a question this weekend. I want to deal with a topic. Excuse me. The topic I want to deal with is spiritual urgency. Where is the urgency of Faith Promise Church to care for those people that are far from God? See, Faith Promise Church was birthed with an unbelievable urgency to seek and save that which was lost. And as we talk about the church, and one of the things that Pastor Zach has brought up to me over and over again, and he said this, we cannot lose the faith, the passion, the zeal, and the urgency of the founders of Faith Promise. See, those people sacrificed, they they were all in to build a brand new church in East Tennessee that would be a church where people could truly come, be loved and accepted, and meet Jesus. But if we're not careful, we will lose the faith of the founders. And we'll have another generation that now just feels entitled to all that God has done at Faith Promise Church. Does that make sense? And so, it's not about millennials. I'm just talking about the next generation that didn't go through what the first generation went through. Because I don't think that God is waiting on I don't think that we're waiting on God. I think God is waiting on us. So let me ask you a question. <clears throat> when was the last time that you had a spiritual conversation with someone that's far from God? Someone who needs some direction. When was the last time that you engaged someone and I think that this is what's happening to us as a congregation. I think that we're becoming blinded to the opportunities that are all around us. Does that make can, can we get Raw and Real this weekend? See, Jesus said that the harvest field was white. And what the church in America and sometimes we as promisers do is we fold our arms and we look at the harvest way, look how jacked up those people are. Look at the Poverty, look at the drugs, man. Look at look at the greed. Look at look at how look at the harvest field. Jesus said, not only is a harvest field white, but He said that, He said, pray that the Father would thrust laborers into the harvest field. He was talking about you. Amen. All right, that's four of you. Amen. Come on, you look like you're drinking from a fire hydrant. Man, it is it, it's it's the deal. It's just, it's, he was talking about us. By the way, welcome to all 10 campuses. We're thrilled you're with us. God, behind bars, we love you, man. I'm coming to Morgan County soon. We'll work on a date. Bledsoe, 200. I'm going to be there. Come on. We love you guys. Now, one of the things that, that in our, our theme for this year, New Rivers and New Roads, and one of the verses, we, as, which is Hebrews 43, 18 and 19 but but one thing that I have just now zeroed in on in my in my quiet time and my prayer for us is, God said I'm going to do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be what? See, I think that I think that we're simply just unaware of the harvest. We're unaware. We're blinded to the needs of people all around us, all that are all around us uh, that need Jesus. Now last week it was fusion. Was it incredible? Come on, students. Man, it was incredible. And Pastor Zach did an, uh, did an awesome job, and the team and 1,000 students, 40 baptisms, and more baptisms are coming. It was incredible. And so Pastor Zach did the weekend messages. He asked me to preach Saturday night at the Pellissippi campus after the Pellissippi services. So they roll in about 8.30, well, about 9 o'clock the service. So we understand that's my bedtime. I'm old now, man. I'm going to bed early, getting up early, and uh, and I said, since I've got to be up, so I just preached for an hour. Since I had to be up, they had to hear it. Are y'all with me? But he said, listen, he said, I want, Zach said, I want you to preach on distractions. And I really began to work on it because, again, Isaiah 43, 19, will you not be aware of what God is doing? And I believe that we are blinded because we're distracted. We all have our to-do list, don't we? And whatever you need to get done, well, that's what's going to get done. So Michelle and I were getting ready to sell our house. Now it looks like a construction zone. It is horrible. So every day I'm going home, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. Every day, man, I'm, 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 I'm working. And if I'm not careful, I'll get distracted, and the only thing I'll think about is what I've got to get done. Well, see, that's where all of us are. We're so distracted with all that we've got to get done, with all the places we've got to go, and all the kids need, and on and on and on and on, that we're blinded to the needs of people that need Jesus all around us because we're just distracted. Does that make sense? We're not aware of what God wants to do because we are distracted because every day God is intersecting you. Your life is intersecting with people that need him, but so many times we're not. Aware, let me give you an incredible opportunity. Easter is going to be the greatest Easter we've ever seen. An incredible opportunity. Why? I don't know. Fifty services? I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not kidding. It's just. It's from Wednesday through Sunday. It's going to be awesome. And if you will begin to see the need to share and make priority one, who am I going to talk with? Who am I sharing Jesus with? Who am I going to bring on Easter? And what we cannot do is don't let moments of invitation become memories of silence. Because God opens up an opportunity to invite, but we don't take that opportunity. We remain silent, and that's going to haunt us in the end of time. Does that make sense? Now, when I was first saved, I was so excited about Jesus. I still am, by the way. I hadn't gotten over it yet. And I wanted to tell everybody, but I didn't know anything. Are you with me? I just was excited. I knew Jesus saved me and I was happy about it. And so we have the sword of the spirit, which is the Bible. So I got a pocket knife. I got a little new pocket, new testament. Y'all remember those? I kept in my back pocket. I marked up the Romans wrote a salvation out of dog ear pages because I didn't know how to find things in the Bible. Because while many of you are growing up in Bible drills and VBS, I was smoking weed. Are you with me? So I didn't, I didn't know anything about the scriptures. And so... And that was, that was my struggle early on as I didn't know much. And now I still have a struggle. My struggle now is I'm not around a ton of people far from God. My family's saved. I'm here. Too. Most of the staff are saved now. I'm still worried about a few. But most of the staff have given their heart to Jesus. And, and so, we see, we all have, we all have fears or distractions if I was to walk around the microphone at every campus this week, every one of us say, Pastor, this is why I struggle inviting people or this is why I struggle sharing Jesus. And we'd all, we would all know, wouldn't we? Come on, let's be real. But that's not the real reason. Whatever you said, it's not going to be the real reason. Let me tell you the real reason that we don't invite as much or we don't share is because hell fights us the hardest for the things that are most important. Let me tell you two things that hell pulls out all the stops to stop you from doing. Number one is prayer. If I was to say you had to pray for an hour, like Jesus said to disciples, could you not tear with me an hour, many of you would freak out. You'd have to get the phone book because you would know what to do. Does that make sense? Come on, I'm I'm just being honest. Prayer is difficult. Why? Because hell fights us, and sharing our faith it's just difficult. The two things are two of the most important things we can do with God and for God. Pray and share faith are the hardest things to do. Is, that, is anybody with me? <clears throat> Come on. Somebody give God some praise in the house, would you? Come on. So, I just have to tell you when it comes to, because Faith promises about real people with real problems finding real love. Can I tell you, I was just brokenhearted this week at all the news articles. How many of you saw... Faith Promise in the News this week. Let me see your hands. Come on, hold them up. Let me see. Okay, that's what I thought, about half. And, and I was brokenhearted about the news articles. I was, I was not angry or frustrated with the news media. I wasn't, I wasn't angry with the same-sex couple that went to our blunt campus that was interviewed. I wasn't, I wasn't mad at them. I was brokenhearted for them. I think they ultimately, they were used because they've been at Faith Promise for two years and loved and accepted. And, and be, because of all that, here, I was just, I, what it did is it took our focus off Jesus and it put it on something else. Does that make sense? See, it, it, when you take the focus off Jesus, then, then we've got the wrong focus. It's not even on Chris, it's not on Faith Promise, it ought to be on Jesus. And so it's been all across social media, all across America and by the way, you do know that social media is not always social. Now, I have to say this to you guys. I fussed about how some of y'all do on Facebook and political things, but I have to tell you, as people have, because I haven't watched the news stories, I haven't read, I believe, you know, if you've got to believe the good, then you have to believe the bad, so I just don't, I don't read any of it that has to do with us. But what I was told is how you guys responded. You didn't take up my fence. You didn't take up me. You responded with love and grace. See, when, when we deal with people, no matter what's going on, our first priority is to serve people, love people, and love God. Are y'all with me? And that's what we do. Come on. <clears throat> it's how we act. It's what God wants us to do. Now, what you would think maybe, was well, you know, Pastor Kim, Can we invite people? I mean, we've been all over the news. We've been this. Can we invite people? Do we need to back off? Listen, when the when the enemy puts his foot on the gas, we do not put ours on the brake. We take and slam it into overdrive. We flip on the nos. We supercharge that puppy, and we are moving forward. Come on, somebody in the house! And we are not taking. We're not crawfishing. We're not backstroking. We are moving forward for Jesus. This will not be the only time that we will be in the media, that it will be controversial because our culture loves controversy now, so there will be something else. And I probably won't respond to that either because we do not fight in the court of public opinion on media. I don't want a soundbite. I want a conversation with somebody. And when you give the media a soundbite, you don't get to have a conversation and the thing that grieved me the most was that right now many of the many of the gay community that that Jesus loves, by the way, that Jesus loves will be closed off to us because of how media couched us. Are you with me? See, that's what grieves me. Now I was grateful. I've had emails and text messages from all across America. And I and am I'm, I'm grateful, but but listen. What, what grieves me is that, that lost people will stay lost. Are y'all with me? So, we've gotta be urgent. And let me tell you one of the things that drove me in urgency. If you've been around here a while, you've heard me tell the story because this was a pivotal moment in my life. I'd only been saved Four to six weeks, brand new, didn't know anything. All I knew, I loved God. That's all I knew. I was in love with Jesus, and life was good. That's all I knew. I was driving home one day, and I literally passed by a buddy of mine, and we stopped on the side road. His name was Jimbo. Rose down the window, Stevens, man, where you been? No, everybody's looking for you. Where have you been? Now, theologically, we call that an open door. Right there. Is that not an open door? I didn't take it. I said, I, Jimbo, man, I'm just, man, I'm just hanging out. I've been going to church. Church? What are you going to church for? There must be some chick here after. Open door number two. <laughs> Feathers on my legs, not quite sure what to do. And I said, man, I was trying to change my life. And Jimbo and I, we party companies and gave a high five and said, I'll see you later, dude. And I drove away thinking, God, you're such a wuss, Stevens. You're such a wuss. Why didn't you talk to Jimbo? Are you with me? You ever felt that way? Am I the only one? So I go, make a couple stops, I go home. As soon as I pull up in my driveway, my brother, Rick, is on the front porch. And I get out. and said, what's up, dude? He said, you got to go to the hospital. I said, why? He said, jimbo, Jimbo's jimbo been shot. I said, I just saw Jimbo. Jimbo left me and went to work. He worked at a beer store, a package store. And as soon as he got to work, a guy came in and shot him twice in the face, twice in the chest, and twice in the stomach. So I call my pastor, we meet at Erlanger, we go in. Now I live in East Lake, and if you're from East Lake, you called yourself a buzzard. We weren't the red birds, weren't the blue Jays. We were the buzzards. Are you with me? It just gives you just an idea. that's what we called ourselves. So I walk into the emergency room. It's full of all my buzzard buddies, all my drug buddies, all my party friends. And I walk in and they say, Stevens, man, listen, can we pray for Jimbo? Now these boys hadn't thought about prayer in a coon's age. Are y'all with me? They hadn't thought about prayer, but there's no such thing as an atheist on a sinking ship or a crashing plane. So we begin to pray, God, would you move on Jim? God, would you, would you do a miracle? Would you? Now, the, the, literally, the doctors had already stopped working on Jimbo. They said he's going to die in just a minute. That's a long time ago. Don't get on the doctors. That was, you know, 35 years ago. And so we're, we're praying. Jimbo's literally sitting on a gurney. 30 minutes later, he's still alive. An hour later, he's still alive. The doctors said, well, maybe we should do something. <laughs> you think? Well, Jimbo actually lived. As soon as he got out of the hospital, I drove by his house and I got, he was still on the, he was on the front porch. I got, I walked up. I said, Jimbo, I I got to apologize to you, bro. I said, man, I saw you the day you got shot and I should have talked to you about Jesus, but I didn't and I'm so sorry. And I believe God spared your life for this moment right here. So see, I learned the hard way that I better be urgent because nobody's promised tomorrow. We got today, right? We we have today. And and even knowing that too many of us who call this our spiritual family, our church home, don't see the need to share Jesus and invite people. Now, some of you do, the last three years, 30,000 first-time guests registered. That didn't count the people that came and didn't fill out a card. Last year, 10,000 guests came to Faith Promise Church. We're working on a better, even a better system to get people connected earlier. So some of y'all are doing a great job. But listen, does the urgency need to be cranked up to 210 degrees boiling at Faith Promise Church? All right, eight of you. Does it need to be cranked up? Come on, somebody. Man, y'all got to help me. <clears throat> it's got to be riveted. It's got to be cranked up. And we're, listen, we're not waiting on God. God's waiting on us. Recent survey of young adult Christians, 65% of Christian millennials, young adults, feel misunderstood, over 50% feel marginalized, sidelined, or silenced in today's culture. Of course they do because the culture is set up to make us shut up. Every agenda known to man can be pushed in America except our agenda, which is salvation by faith alone, through grace alone, through Jesus alone. See, we're, we're supposed to keep our faith in the church house. We're, not, we're, we're supposed to leave Jesus in the building and not take him with us. Is that right? See, that's the, that's the culture. That's why young adults feel this way. And sadly, the church has not helped or added to. The church has allowed the deadening of the urgency to happen. So my question is this. Have we become blind beggars and not bold believers anymore? Matter of fact, did you used to bring people? and now you don't bring folks anymore. See, we got to see the need to share Jesus. Look at Paul's prayer in Romans chapter 9. I'm telling the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. He's about to make such a bold statement that he's got to preface this statement with, hey guys, I'm not playing. I'm not joking. I'm not lying. My conscience testifies with me uh, with, with me in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief. See, his burden for people that were going to hell, his burden for people gave him an urgency that could not be stopped until the only way to stop Paul's urgency was to cut his head off in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were a curse separated from Christ for the sake of my brother, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, i.e., I would go to hell if my family and the Israelites would give their heart to Jesus. Does that sound like a burden to y'all? Does that sound like urgency to y'all? God, would you give us a biblical burden? God, would you give us an urgency? Would you crank it up to 210 degrees? God, would you flood our hearts? Would you open our eyes? God, we've been blinded in this culture and we see problems and not people, God, would you help us see people that need you? Would you open our eyes, God, and give us an urgency and a spiritual fervor that'll get us out of our lazy boys and out and into the harvest field that is white? God, we believe it and we receive it. And in Jesus' name, we pray it. And all God's people said? Come on, give God a shout of praise. That is what his will is. So... Over the next month, we're gonna encourage all of us to get and get on the new, ro- new roads and new rivers because the new road that your family and friends are gonna to walk to find Jesus is gonna be you. So who are you gonna to invite to Easter 2018? Who are you gonna bring? And listen, do me a favor. Don't just hand them a card, which we'll have out, we'll, we'll have next weekend in all of our campuses, and say, hey, we'd love to see you at a service. Say, hey, listen, we have 50 services starting on Wednesday through Easter Sunday. Which one would you like to attend and be my special guest? I'll be waiting at the door for you. See, be my special guest is better than hey, come check out my church. See, anybody out there. See, if we're gonna if we're gonna make a difference, folks, we got we got to get in gear. Now, again, would y'all agree that we're distracted? Man, we we all have ADD. Come on, we ought to just pass out Ritalin every morning. I mean, just. I mean, we, we've got this spiritual ADD, and let me tell you, an ADD issue that's about to happen. It's called spring break. I hate spring break. Not because of what happens at the beach, because of what happens here. Last year, February, we were over 8,000 every weekend. The first weekend of spring break, we had 6,000. 2,000 people gone on vacation. I'm so glad you got to go, sort of. But, but, but we got distracted. Then we came back, and the weather was nice. We had to work in the yard. We had this. We never hit 8,000 again on a regular weekend the rest of the year. You know why? Because we got distracted. Distracted. And we were, we were, Paul said, I am so concerned that you are going to be led away in your simple devotion in serving Christ as the serpent led Eve in his crackiness in the garden that you would be led away from Christ. Folks, it's so easy. We get so distracted. And so spring break is right here in the middle as we get ready for Easter, which is on April 1st. April Fool's Day is Easter. Ha <laughs> ha, fooled you. He came out of the ground. And so it's, are y'all with me? Come on. So so who are you bringing? This is my prayer. Agree with me, 20,000 people on Easter, 500 people get saved to get baptized Easter. Can we see God do that? Can y'all get up? From, come on, can we get fired up about that? So we've got to see the need to share an invite. One of the greatest adversaries to seeing people and seeing the needs is religion. The devil loves religion. He loves religion. Why does he love religion? He loves religion because religion blinds us to the problems that people, it blinds us to people. So we're going to look at John chapter 9 where Jesus encounters a man that's born blind. But not only will Jesus heal the man that is blind, but he's trying to heal the disciples who are just as blind. And many of us are blind. So look at John chapter 9 verse 1. And he passed by and he saw. In my Bible, this is circled right here. He saw a man born blind. I'm so glad that Jesus sees. I'm so glad that when I was in a hospital bed after an overdose, Jesus saw me. I'm so glad that when you were lost, Jesus did not pass by you. But Jesus stopped at your house. He stopped at your heart. He saw you. He saw Matthew in his tax club. He saw Zacchaeus in the tree. He saw the, the woman caught in adultery. He saw the woman at the well. He saw James and John in their fishing boats. Jesus sees. No matter where you are, what you're facing, our king Jesus sees you right where you are. And he loves us. Jesus saw. He saw. Listen, we got to quit passing by people that we don't see because we're blinded. They're all around us. Well, Chris, everybody, all my friends and family, everybody I work with are saved. I just so doubt that. I just so doubt that. Listen, part of the problem is our religion of East Tennessee. You got family and friends hadn't been in church in 30 years, Live like the devil, act like the devil, don't love God, don't love the church, don't love the Word of God, they're not born again. And don't let them believe they are. When you say, you start us, me, yeah, I got saved, BBS, I was eight. Well, when's the last time I went to church? That was 40 years ago. Yeah, I know it. Got a Budweiser sandwich in their hand. Just... Just, I mean, just engulfed with the world, don't care, don't care about God, the things of God, the Word of God, the church of God. Are you with me? I'm okay. I'm going to heaven. Just look at him and say, I love you so much. No, you're not. Because if you were going to heaven, you'd love God. You don't love God. You only love you. Are you all with me? Are we blind beggars or bold believers? Somebody? See, Jesus saw the blind man, and Jesus initiated. This is not the guy screaming. It's not blind brother Bart. This guy's just sitting there, and Jesus walks by and sees him, and Jesus initiates the contact. I'm so glad that when I was just absolutely just sucked into sin, God saw me, and God initiated the contact with me. I didn't find him. He found me. Are y'all with me? Man, he loves everybody. He is after people. And we cannot let people in our lives sit on the side of the road while we pass by them we got to get in and get on. Are y'all with me? Get others in. One of our things is we tell them of him. That's a value at Faith Promise Church. The next verse, verse 2. His disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents said he'd be born blind. Enter religion. Man, this is the, see, the reason that the disciples could ignore that blind man is he, they figured it was his fault. How many times say, well, they got what they deserved you do the crime, you do the time. Reap what you sow. That's wonderful judgmental words, isn't it? And we love to dull those out. How about for God so loved the world that he gave? How about that God demonstrated his love to us and while we were sinners, enmity and opposition to God, he gave his own son to prove his love for us. Come on somebody, how about some grace of God when we didn't deserve any grace? See, we see the problems and God sees the people. And blindness doesn't need guilt, it doesn't need your pity, it doesn't need your blame. Blindness needs a hand to be picked up and let in to where they can see the light. Blindness needs a guide, not a guilt trip. You know, anybody born again in any of our campuses, anybody saved? You know what? You didn't get saved because somebody put you on a guilt trip. You got saved because you saw how good God was. This is the book of Romans that God's God's goodness to us brings us to repentance. We got to see the need to share. Next verse, verse three. Jesus said, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. He is sitting here so that he will see the goodness of God and you guys will finally see the goodness of God and quit blaming people. See Jesus didn't see a problem. Jesus saw an opportunity to invest in a man who had a problem. How about us promisers? we need to see don't miss the people because you just see the problems. See sin is not an obstacle to overcome it is an opportunity to invite. Does this make sense? Does this makes sense? in next verse verse four. And Jesus said, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is what? For night is coming when no man can do what? See, do you sense, do you feel as Jesus is looking at his disciples saying, hey, boys, it's daylight. Let's work because night's coming. And when night comes, there's not going to be any more work to be done. Jesus is saying, get off your blessed assurance and get into the harvest field. Jesus is saying, you do not know how many more times you get to see Jimbo before he is gone into eternity. We do not know. We, none of us are promised tomorrow. We've got to work while it is day for night is coming. There'll be a last sermon, a last gospel invitation, and then we're going to heaven and it'll be over. Man, we can work today though, can't we? Come on, let's crank up the urgency. Let's say, God used me. God used me. Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his what? His work, the same word is used in John chapter 9. I got to work. You know what Jesus' food was? To do the work of loving and caring for people. How much on your diet is the work of God? Are we distracted by the world? See, we look at Jesus healing a blind man and say, a miracle, just another day in the kingdom of God. Are y'all with me? Now, only Jesus can open blind eyes, but are you hungry for the work of God? Are you hungry to invite? Are you hungry to share? Jesus goes on in verse five, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus, the, 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 the man was not the only man that was blind in this situation. It was the disciples. Because he knew religion was blinding him. Verse 6 and 7. Let's finish this up. When he had said this, he spit on the ground and made, it, made clay, and he applied it to the eye, clay to the eyes, and he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated, sent. So he went and washed and came back what? You think he was fired up? I guarantee you he was fired up. See, the pool of Siloam is the source of, of water for all the ceremonies that happen at the tabernacle. We are not the source. Jesus is the source. But we are the ones that bring them to him so that he can give them spiritual sight. Are you with me? We direct people to the source. We are no longer going to just pass by, are we, promisers? Anybody there? So I'm asking you to pray with us, fast with us this month. Seek the heart of God that you will know who God is working on, that he wants you to bring to hear the gospel in a creative way unique way that they can respond. So man, we're just challenging everybody. Man, let's let's get in. Let's get on. Amen. Are y'all are y'all with me? Again, the reason that I was bummed out about the news articles and the social media, all the stuff this week is because it got us off task. Nehemiah said what we're doing is too important to get down off the wall. So, man, We've got, to, we've got to stay focused. We are not going to allow the world or the culture or anybody, any news media, anybody to take the focus off the only one that can open blind eyes, which is Jesus, and put the focus on something else. Are you all with me? Man, we're committed to that. So the first reason of 500 reasons to invite people to Easter is people need Jesus. Now maybe in this message you're realizing, hey, I'm, man, I'm religious or Hey, I don't have this relationship, My, hey, I need Jesus, thank God. He's revealing that to you. Thank God. That's why we're here today. If you're the only one, you're why we all came today. And so if you're ready to be born again, if you're ready to have your name written in the last book of life, if you're ready to have all your sins forgiven, God's ready to forgive. I don't care where you've been and what you've done. I, I, don't, I just don't care. We will love, God will love everything that walks, crawls, slides, glides, flies, hives, dies, or rides through a door of Faith Promise Church. Amen, are y'all with me? The two ladies, the two same-sex couple would be welcome with open arms if they walked back into any campus at Faith Promise Church. That's what we're about. We had... We're at one of the brand-new startup churches that we're helping call and say, hey, we, we hate to say this, but we're so glad it happened to y'all and not us. They said, we don't know if another church in Knoxville could weather, but we know Faith Promise will be able to stand in the wind of opposition. So, so if you're ready to receive the love that God has, come on. Every campus with every head bowed and every eye closed, We're going to pray this simple prayer with you. Just pray this out loud with us. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I am so sorry. Forgive me. Commit in my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I will live for you, not for this world. You are the Lord. I will tell others of you. Give me an urgency in Jesus name and all God's people said, come on somebody give God praise what' you Wow Wow now do me a favor at all of our campuses if you just opened your heart up to Jesus take the communication card that's right in front of you if you would and just put your name your email your cell number check the box I prayed with the pastor or if you have not been in Next Steps and you'd like to find out more about getting connected to Faith Promise, check that and it'll be at all of our campuses next weekend. Uh, and you'll see the time, 10 o'clock at the Pelissippi campus. We'd love to have you. Now, as we get ready to give, if you're a guest, all we ask, you put the guest card in the bucket. We really don't want anything from you. We care about your heart. Now, Faith Promise, we're generous people, aren't we? Come on, we're generous. Huh? had lunch with a a founder, Evan Crass. He was just a kid when this church was founded. And was on staff for years. He's now on the staff of CARM, Knox Area Rescue Missions. And we had coffee a week ago. And he gave me a letter. And he said, here's here's what God is doing through CARM because of faith promise and our generosity. 270,000 meals last year. They served 2,700 people that spent 90,000 nights indoors and not out. Doors, 50,000 hours, come on, 50,000 hours were served. Faith Promise gave 2,600 donations to Carm Thrift Store. Come on, 2,600. Those people, those volunteers, like my small group and yours, went and, and those things were repurposed and they were sold at a much reduced rate, and that helped, that also helped feed those folks and keep them. And then he brought me $2,800 worth of Karm Thrift Bucks, 28, I mean $280, 10 things that we actually give out to people that need clothes or need things. Because if you've never been to Karm Thrift Store, man, let me tell you, you, ought to check that out before you go to the mall. Last time I, my small group was serving, Michelle said, what are you doing? I was looking through the shirt rack. And she said, what are you doing? I'm, I'm serving. No, Chris, you're shopping. Stop that. So we love CARM, we love Burt Rosen and, and Evan and what they do for the homeless and the hungry community of Knoxville. That's why we partner with them. See, we're generous. That's God's people are generous people. Now, for some of you, let me tell you, here's what's gonna happen. Some of you are gonna take the first step in the generosity journey. You're gonna give for the very first time, amen. Others of you are gonna, you're gonna begin in tithe for the first time this weekend. Others of you are getting ready for Heart for the Harvest. Because it's coming, isn't it? And so Michelle and I already talked about what we're gonna do, what, what we believe God's gonna give us to give. So I'm gonna pray and we're gonna give. Is God worthy? Is our God worthy? Come on. Father, we worship you with generosity, with song and in the word. Would you move right now in such a powerful way that people, God, that people We'll see you. Blind eyes will be open, God. Bless every gift in the givers, our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, let's shout as we give unto God.